Hey folks, and welcome to the Prestige Podcast, a podcast about movies by film lovers for film lovers. Normally, what we do on this show is pick a film, we review it, we talk about it, and we discuss some of the ideas and themes it throws up. But we've been doing a run recently, doing our playoffs, looking at the top 32 movies of our show so far, and voting them down to one. This isn't either of those options. This is a secret third option. Um, and this is something me and Sam have done every year we've been doing the show. And we should talk about the movies we've seen in the last year. So it's our review. This is a review of 2018. Often we do a top five of the year. This year we are going to be doing a slightly small list of top three. Both of us have got kids now, so we often don't get out as movies as much as we'd like. Um, so the list becomes a little bit shorter. But we do have some other sort of recommendations, ones maybe don't make the top lists, but ones we've seen that we want to talk about and just kind of throw a little bit of love our way. So Sam, do you have films that maybe aren't your top three, maybe are your penalty box, your reserves, your also-rans, things that you think want to, you know, just, just highlight? I have a couple that I want to talk about. One was released this year. Um, one, just looking at Wikipedia, was the back end of 2017, but I saw it this year and very much enjoyed it. So the first I did definitely see this year and was a 2018 release, and I would put sort of, like you said, penalty box, not quite top three, would be Deadpool 2. If you've seen the first one, you know what you're in for, but there was a lot of fourth wall breaking and knowing lots to camera and doing interesting things with the form an interesting way that you don't often see from big budget films like that and it's it's credit to to marvel they're doing that with the genre my second one and I, this would have been top three were it released this year released in 2018 is the film Lady Bird. Lady Bird is, I suppose, a kind of historical piece. It sounds weird to call something a historical piece if it was based in 2003, but it kind of is. Um, and it's a coming-of-age film starring Saoirse Ronan, and so they've got Timothy Chalamet in it, who was famously sort of sort of came of age in film this year, or in 2017-2018. But Lady Bird was, it, it was slow and not in a bad way, in a sort of a charming and delicate way. And yeah, it, it, it was funny and sad and has serious things to say about growing up and female empowerment, female relationships, mother-daughter relationships as well. So yes, Lady Bird would be a, a as I said, top three for definite if it were indeed a 2018 film, but it's not. The fact that you listed a 2000 film set in 2003 as a period film has just aged me a thousand years. <laughs> yes. And I've crumbled into dust as a tiny old man. Like, oh. yeah, but you're right, it's 15 years ago, you know. It was early, that was 2002. So that's that's our seventeen years. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Rob? I haven't seen Deadpool two, but I did want to highlight the the big Marvel movie this year, which is Infinity War, which is sort of the, the first half of that duo of films that are coming next year with Endgame coming next. Now this one I, I've thrown in my list. I think it's a good film, but I feel it's a film that kind of comes with a large asterisk because if they stick the landing of the second half of that movie, they could go down brilliantly. But I feel that if they really balls up the second half. It's going to undercut the power of the first one. Mm. So I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed that movie. 
but that enjoyment is based on the promise of what comes next, based on the what what if right. of the second one. Other films I recommend Game Night, which is basically a sort of kind of like a comedy version of the game. I'm sure I mentioned it when we when I watched it during the year. Um, it very much is a comedy version of the game. Um, it's it's very funny. It's was a sort of real. I thought it was gonna be like a, a mid tier, mid budget uh, comedy film, a bit of light entertainment, and it was really funny and really quite dark in places. But I very much enjoyed it. A bit more off a beaten track, I wanted to plug a film called Sorry to Bother You, uh, which from first director Boots Riley, and it's essentially a tale of a, a telemarketer who is encouraged to use what he calls his white voice. So he's a, he's an African-American who uses his white voice to get ahead in telemarketing. That's all I'm going to say. The film takes that premise into some incredibly weird places, and there's some certain tonal and plot shifts that are out of nowhere but are brilliant. As a first director, I thought it was an amazing film. I thought it was really kind of out there. And having covered films like from the Spike Lee sort of canon this year and the idea of race relations in America and the sort of post-racial but not really post-racial world we live in, this was was very much in that vein. And I think it's it's a it's a great film to watch if you've seen it. My last film, my, my also rans, I'm going to plug, is Mandy. This is a Nick Cage starring revenge movie. It is... Imagine you took a bunch of acid and then watched The Revenant. It's kind of like that. You know in the 80s when the 80s hair metal album covers are all, you know, like guy with flame, long hair and triangles. It's all like that. And it's it's about basically Nick Cage is a remote logger who lives in a remote house with his, with his partner. She is abducted and, and killed by a psychotic immortal biker gang. Obviously. For a um, remote, sorry, a, a remote clan a cult in those hills and it's about his tale of bloody revenge it's yeah it, it's a very very out there movie but it's one of the best looking movies that i've seen this year so other ones that haven't made my top list that i want to mention quickly are annihilation on netflix brilliant film weird weird film um, you've got to go into that mind thinking about themes and ideas rather than plot and structure but it takes some wonderful places black panther the first sort of african-american superheroes um, for marvel i thought it was a brilliant film it was up there with some of the best of marvel and a contentious pick ready player one it's got a lot of flack and a lot of heat this year um, i'm a fan of the book and i was a fan of the movie so those are my also rants. That's seven of them there, kind of filling out my, my top ten. But that's that, that's my also rants. But that leaves us our top three. Sam, pick your number three. My number three, you mentioned already, actually. And I thought this was, I mean, in, in a year in which you and I were sort of exposed to Spike Lee for the first time, talked about whether we're in a quote-unquote post-racial world, and we're definitely not. But it was... It was outstanding, and I know a year that started with Black Panther, which is my my number three, ended with um, another one, Spider Man: The Spider Verse, which looks amazing, and I want to see it, and I haven't yet. Um, but this is also doing incredible things with um, racial profiling, and I thought this was, I mean, this, this was outstanding. This was. Head and shoulders above the last Marvel movie I saw, which was Doctor Strange, which was... It was fine, it was fine. It was fine, yeah, but I want more than fine if I'm watching a series. Quick sidebar Mm. there. I think that's... Doctor Strange, for me, was in many ways one of the nails in the coffin of the Marvel. Because it was fine. It was... By the rote, like, Marvel and the production team at Marvel Movies have nailed how to make a movie that is fine. 
They didn't make bad movies. You know, even the worst of the trilogy, some of the early Thor, second Thor film and some second Iron Man, third Iron Man probably, aren't great films, but they're fine. You judge them in, in sort of the canon of 18 movies have been now, and it's not great, but they're still fine. I want more than fine. When you're making this many movies at this kind of budget, this this much, you can make your Thor Ragnaroks, you can make your Black Panthers, make them brilliant. So fine isn't good enough. So how about you, Rob? Your number three. So my number three, once again, is a little bit of a cheat because it was technically released last year, but only at festivals. It didn't get its wide release until this year. So I am claiming it as an 18 movie. Um, and that's a French film from a director called Coralie Fargit, I think it's pronounced. I probably murdered that one. I'm sorry, I wasn't good at French at school. It's called Revenge. It essentially is a modern slice of the rape revenge exploitation movies. A a uh, beautiful young lady goes out to a remote basically condo with her her very married boyfriend for a weekend or a couple of days of, of sort of illicit time together. His hunting buddies turn up a day early, and this ends with her being quite brutally raped by one of his hunting buddies when he isn't there. From there, things spiral, and she is left for dead in the desert around this this condo. And from there, she regains herself and comes back with a with a hint of bloody revenge. This is a film that's made in what we're calling the Me Too era, um, and so it brings with it a large deconstruction of the male gaze, a healthy healthy deconstruction of the idea of. of rape culture and how we treat women who are young and beautiful and sexual and the idea they become property and about them fighting back it is quite a small film there's only really sort of four main parts maybe five if you include some sort of bit parts but four main parts and it's a film that on one level works as a brutal gory slice of exploitation but at the same time has some incredibly sort of nuanced metaphors to it um how how she deals with these three three men who are looking to sort of kill her and who raped her and all this sort of thing and and, and how it turns traditional say male gaze female gaze on their heads and and deals with those sort of things it's not one that uh many people have seen but it's really one i want to champion if you do find a chance to go and see revenge i would heart on it it's not for everybody it's not you know an easygoing film but it is utterly brilliant great my number two is another one that not everyone would have seen and is worth chapping. So after Black Panther, I've gone fairly niche with this. And it's the latest film from um, the director of... We talk about Kevin, Lynn Ramsey, the Scottish director. This is a, a film which was first released in 2017. It was released in an unfinished version can in 2017 and then um, released properly later on early in 2018 it's called you were never really here and it's an extraordinary film and i i've never really seen joaquin phoenix in anything substantial um, so i suppose i've seen him in in walk the line but this is the first time i've properly seen him at the center of the film and he was very good, and it was very gritty. I didn't fully understand everything that was going on, and it didn't seem to really matter. Um, it tells a tale of a mercenary played by Phoenix, um, a high gun who saves, uh, I suppose, saves abducted women, is the best way of putting it. 
And it, interesting to put it after revenge. Actually, it's another film that has a lot to say about the way we treat women. And he gets embroiled in an, a plot that involves, I mean, uh, involves endemic corruption. And it's it's how he responds to that. But it's it's also he's incredibly tortured mentally. He lives with his mother, and she there are flashbacks to his traumatic experiences of, at the hands of his violent father who abused him and his mother. And then he was he was in the army and. And there are all sorts of flashbacks. Um, it's it's not for everybody. It's kind of, I suppose the best way of putting it is it's a cross between Leon and Valhalla Rising. That's a good mix. Properly mental. <laughs> I would definitely recommend it to you, Rob. Like you said, it's a good mix. I, I reckon it's one you go and bore with. But even if you don't, I mean, it's an hour and 25 minutes long. There are episodes of Bake Off that nearly take up that much of your life. So treat yourself and watch you were never really here. It is on my list to watch. This is one of those years where I think both of us have got a long list of films we should have watched this year we just really haven't got time to mm. I would add the caveat of this whole list that we've given is that if the, your favourite movie of this year isn't on here it's more than likely that we haven't seen it let alone that we don't like it I, I, I would presume that rather than anything else what about your number two my number two I suppose fits into a, a theme that we've both seen emerging in these lists and that is the the African-American experience I think that in the wake of movies like Get Out um, and the wake of Obama and the post-Obama world we live in, the, the Trump America, there's been a real explosion in films dealing with black American experience in a very modern sort of way. And this is one of those, and that is the film Blind Spotting. Most notably starring David Diggs of Hamilton fame, written by him as well, and his co-writer and co-star Raphael Cassell. It tells the tale of Colin, played by David, who is three days out from his end of his patrol, end of his parole for uh, assault, and he works as a mover with his his friend, played by Raphael. And Colin witnesses a police shooting, police shooting of a unarmed black man. How that impacts him, and how it comes to terms with being a ex felon, young black man in Oakland with a white best friend, and all the sort of the racial tensions that exist over there and tied in with the Black Lives Matter movement around the shooting of this young man. It sounds incredibly dark, and in many ways it is a very dark, serious film, but it's also light-hearted, it's funny. Um, it kind of sits in that kind of line between the two, that there's real emotional heft there. And the end, I'm not going to give any sort of spoilers here, but the end, the end monologue is one of the most powerful bits of filmmaking I've seen this year. It is, if, if for a more cerebral film, my, my, my number one pick isn't going to be as cerebral as this, but it certainly is up there in terms of amazing films. And if you liked things like Black Panther and you liked things like Sorry to Bother You and you liked things like Get Out, or even when you things such as Do the Right Thing, it, it is close to the modern Do the Right Thing that I've seen in many years. It was just amazing for me. It gripped me from its opening scene. David Diggs is a, a screen presence, unlike many others today. So once again, it isn't huge. It's a much more sort of American breakout film that is in Britain. Really amazing for me. It's worth checking out. Sam, your number one film. As you've said a couple of times already, this has not been a year in which either of us have been to the cinema much. And if you don't agree with this, and if, as Rob has said, your number one film is not on this list, then chances are we haven't seen it. 
I'm making this my number one because it's not been a great year. Me personally, not great. The world at large, it, no, just no. Going downhill towards the end. The four horsemen are getting closer. So I just want to recommend a film that is just joyous. And for, the, for that reason, my number one film in the series is a film I've seen in the past week. And it's the sequel to a much-loved 1964 classic. It's Mary Poppins Returns. I spoke to Rob about this after I'd seen it, and I don't really know how you could how you could not enjoy this film. It's just it's just so very joyous. And okay, the the overarching theme is about I suppose one one of the things it's about is the loss of a parent, but that's dealt with very sensitively and. It's a, a joyful response to that on the the part of Ben Whishaw, who brilliantly plays a grown-up Michael from the first film. Yes, Ben Whishaw is great as Emily Mortimer, the grown-up Jane, and then the three kids. Uh, well, child actors aren't always great, but they were they were perfectly serviceable. Emily Blunt. Now, this is the thing. This is the sacrilegious thing. And that I, I never particularly liked Julie Andrews much. Heresy. Yeah, I know. Terrible. But for that reason, I think Emily Blunt's great because I haven't got anything I'm necessarily comparing her negatively to. Limamo Miranda is very good and is in the sort of the Burt role, although he's not. He's a lamplighter called Jack. Um, but, I mean, having a singer instead of Dick Van Dyke is great. Having someone who can actually do an English accent is great. I don't know what you mean, Governor. Ah, oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, yeah, they, they were... It was respectful of the original. There were parallels with things like bobbing along and these scenes with the tea party. It, it was yeah, it was just just very enjoyable. And I think, as I said, at the end of the year, it hasn't been great for the world. We need a bit of Mary Poppins. And I, I suppose what I would end with is I, I saw Mark Kermo's review of this film, and he was it was largely very positive about it, and then gave it four out of five. And I don't understand how he can do that because. He said, this is absolutely brilliant, and it left me weeping. And I suppose the, the only reason for him not to give it five stars was it wasn't the original, and he's a huge devotee of the original film. But I, I thought it wasn't completely without a fault, but it was practically perfect. Ooh, that terrible. I haven't seen it myself, but I've seen many reviews basically saying, I kind of wish it didn't exist, but given it does, this is brilliant. And I think that's, that's a, a fair response. You say you've watched that in the last week. I can do you one better, sir. My number one film I watched last night. Right. So there's probably going to be a little bit of recency bias here, but I haven't had a film-going experience like this all year. It's a film I watched on my sofa at home, but it, it blew me and my wife away. It was amazing. It kind of grabbed me from literally the first scene and didn't let go at any point. Both Sam and I over the course of this show have not this show but the whole podcast have said very good things about a movie called cabin in the woods which is a deconstruction of the horror genre in many ways from director drew goddard 
He hasn't directed a film in seven years since Cabin in the Woods. But he came back this year with a movie that is my number one, a film called Bad Times at the El Royale. If you imagine Hateful Eight, the latest Tarantino film, but without all the racism and the awfulness and all of the uh, the bits that made it not one of Tarantino's bests, and set it in a, a 70s hotel starring John Hamm, starring Jeff Bridges, starring a shirtless Chris Hemsworth as a... It is twisty, turny, pulpy thriller of a movie. I think everybody in it is brilliant. There are so many twists in this movie that come and just blow you away out of nowhere, but makes so much sense. And you end up, you know, not crying over these characters, but so deeply invested in their stories, as well as being this kind of pulpy, pulpy fiction of, of a movie. It was a return to form for a director who I love, a writer, he's a writer who I love, and everyone in it was, was brilliantly cast. It does touch on some aspects of looking at the, looking for a theme this year of, of racism in that area. Um, it has a great, a great performance from Cynthia Erivo as uh, Darlene, a, a lounge singer who gets caught up in the machinations of criminals and crooks and psychopaths. It is grimy, it is gritty, it is the very antithesis of Mary Poppins. But it was the film this year, so... If you haven't checked it out, I don't know where it's available in the UK currently. I imagine it's coming to Netflix in time. But yeah, Bad Times at the El Royale was just just a a blinding experience for me. So yeah, that's my number one film. So folks, that's a quick wrap up from us on 2018. It's now early 19. Those of you who are following along with the playoff will know that we haven't actually finished that off yet. We are still two rounds from finishing. This episode should be with you, obviously now you're listening to it. In a few days, we'll be putting up, hopefully, the conclusion of that. After that, we are heading into season four. Sam, do you want to give us a quick overview of what we're doing in season four? Well, if I knew. Yeah, yes, I will. So we've taken some series and directors for previous seasons. And so for season four, we're going to start looking at genres. The I, I suppose on a, on a more... Um, on, on, with, with a more wider scope than we had with our directors when we were limited to four for each uh, sub-season. We're going to go with, with ten for each sub-season verse, so, so five different genres to round out the season of 50 episodes. And the first one of these, and we're going to work through it chronologically, the first one of these is martial arts. I'm going to say chronologically, we're going to start off with a, the very earliest manifestation of this genre and take it right through until the present day. I, I would get you to pronounce this wrong, but maybe. I mean, it's it's always you has to do the dirty work on this. So let, let's see if I can pronounce it. From 1925, Orochi or the Serpent. The whole thing can be found on YouTube. We will throw a link in the comments to the show if you want to check it out there. But we'll talk about that, and then hopefully you'll move through decade by decade, looking at martial arts movies and how they've changed and grown, and the influence of the West and the influence of the East, and all of that kind of thing. And then we're moving on to other genres throughout the year, four other genres, which are TBC. So if you have a genre you'd love us to talk about, please get in touch. Please let us know um, what you'd love to talk about. I've got some ideas. Sam has some ideas. But we welcome yours as well. So till then, guys, you can find us both on Twitter at Prestige Podcast. You find me at Life underscore Academic. And you can find me at Rob Kaiju. And so we'll be back in a few days with the conclusion of the playoffs and back next week with season four, episode one 
Orochi. See you then. Happy 2019.